This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Eric Branson. How's it going, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's going really good. It's, uh, it's been a long time, though. It's been weird not recording a podcast for over three weeks. I think we're going on almost a month without one of these, which we've never done. So. No. <laughs> like, I don't and, think. You know, it's funny because it started with... with plans to actually have no breaks and we yeah. ended up having a we had a whole like holiday schedule and a yeah. variety of different things and it just didn't work out because of well let's see we we had you you had you, you went on we a trip for the holidays for, and it yeah it sounds like it was a great trip but the travel part on the way home yeah. was a disaster southwest airlines gave us an impromptu extension of our vacation that we've spent mostly in orlando airport so yeah Thank you, wow. thank you publicly to them for that wonderful, uh, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. wonderful Christmas Eve we spent in the oh, airport hotel. Gosh, but yeah, anyway. so you didn't get. What, when did you get home? We got home about two in the afternoon on Christmas Day, finally, and we were lucky because a lot of people that got canceled on those same flights that we were on didn't get out until days later, like Monday, Tuesday. Like we, we actually ended up getting lucky, if you can wow. call being stuck for three days lucky. But yeah. Wow, and the kids handled it so, okay, yeah. and they were they were troopers. Like they just uh, they handled it really, really well. Especially considering you know coming off of a long trip, we're all kind of you know exhausted because we're we're at Disney for um, mm-hmm. six days. So if you've ever done Disney, imagine doing you know that's an exhausting. It's not really a vacation. It's like when you're done with that, you feel like you need a vacation. But um, yeah, so we. Uh, getting stuck for three days at an airport after i mean we we luckily you know were able to get hotel rooms we didn't sleep at the airport i unfortunately saw some people doing that but um yeah but yeah i was mostly just waiting around and trying to get out of there so wow but no they handled it they, they did they did really well especially considering it was their first like major travel experience because you know most of the time they've been old enough to be traveling was we pandemic and just i don't know school and like everything we we hadn't been doing much, so it's the first airplane for them and first airports, mm-hmm. and so hopefully they didn't get too scarred by that experience. Right. <laughs> so we had that, which obviously delayed a lot of things, including minor, our, our schedule for the podcast. Um, yeah. And then when we were going to record on uh, around the New Year's, uh, a couple of days there, I, I was sick, so we had to cancel. So it's been... Uh, yeah a variety of reasons and i'm you know well we also had two movies that we scheduled and, we, and had and announced yes. drop off of streaming services and become unavailable so we had to change the schedule around it, it, a little it's bit, it's so. yeah we had to change it around but it's almost a little bit you know eerie how you know two of the of the of the three movies that we were going to talk about just kind of dropped so yeah 
It just and, yeah, and two of our episodes so. and recording sessions just dropped. So so we're going to be bringing yeah, uh, you back to uh, a little bit more Christmas cheer tonight. We're, it's it's you know what it's that time yeah. of year. It's post New Year's. It's, it's a, not yet Valentine's Day. Everybody, it's just cold and dark, and everybody's starting to get just a little bit down. So we're going to bring Christmas back for one more go. <laughs> one more e- night. Except yep. it's this movie. So you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> It's not really an uplifting film. No, guess, not but. really. It's appropriate <laughs> and kind of ironic. So, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, tonight we are going to be discussing the 1974 Canadian slasher film Black Christmas. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. So this is directed by Bob yeah. Clark, and oh, also known as Silent Night, Evil Night in the United States. Yes, originally a, titled that. It, this yeah. one had like four or five titles throughout its pre-production and production and eventually yeah. was released under two or three different names. It was shown on TV under a different name. So, um, yeah. but yeah. And has since been remade twice too. Yes. So. Yeah. Two different remakes, which I've not seen either of the remakes. I, no, I don't know if I, I should or not, but I've, I've yeah. heard the, the but, most uh, recent one, the, the Blumhouse uh, remake of it was, was pretty good. It was kind of a new mm-hmm. take on, on the whole thing, but Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so this one is, as I mentioned, directed by Bob Clark, written by A. Roy Moore, which was originally under the title Stop Me. Uh, and then when it got picked up for uh, a film, they, they ended up changing the name. Stars Eliz- Olivia Hussey, uh, Cara Dulay, Margot Kidder in, in a kind of one of her more famous roles pre-Superman. Uh Mm-hmm. Andrea Martin, Lynn Griffin, and John Saxon as the character John Saxon, John Saxon always plays. <laughs> the concerned uh, police officer. He's not the anyone's dad in this, officer. but yeah. It's like... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he handled this before Dream Demons with his daughter. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, what, what's your history with this one? Um, this is one I didn't see anywhere near early enough in my life, in my opinion. Like, it, I think I first watched this oh two three years back i got a list or actually no it was when i got that book i brought up the book the time um oh gosh i'm not gonna remember the title but it's a it's a anthology book with a bunch of essays about christmas horror films that i i referenced when we did our show on christmas movies sure. or whatever um maybe when we watched uh christmas evil i think was when i was talking about that but um so I, I got that book and was kind of flipping through all the different Christmas movies and I'm like, oh, I want to watch some of these and like kind of unanimously when I, you know, through just internet articles or whatever, the 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 most revered or um, you know critically acclaimed uh, 
Christmas horror film usually comes out as number one being Black Christmas. And mm-hmm. so it was one of the first ones I went and went and checked out. But yeah, I probably saw this the first time. We were already doing the podcast, I think. So it's probably like three years ago at Christmas time. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it was was very impressed with it, considering what my expectations were going in. I kind of um, this movie was kind of a being 1974. It's kind of a proto slasher, and actually, if you follow like the family yes. tree of slasher movies back, it 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 has kind of a claim to fame to being one of the first, if not the first you know, quote unquote slasher film, but yeah, there's definitely know, some cultural lots significance of things. Here. Yeah. Lots yeah. of things that would find its way into, into Halloween <laughs> are originate here. Like including even some of the like, um, camera style that, that Dean Kundi would yeah. end up using when shooting <laughs> Halloween and, and such. So, well, I'll give you a brief synopsis of this. The story follows a group of sorority sisters who receive threatening phone calls and are eventually stalked and murdered by a deranged killer during the Christmas season. Um, kind of a simple little, you know, heartwarming tale. No, uh, no, yeah. it's definitely disturbing from even the very, very beginning. What's really cool about this, I found, is how it's inspired so much by, or it's it's kind of a a, a film version of the urban legend of there's the guy upstairs and the babysitter's home alone mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know, and. It, it plays off of that really well, especially with the, the, the prank phone calls that start. Like, you, you pretty much get this... There's a group of sorority sisters, and they keep getting... They're not just threatening phone calls. They're just harassing, obscene calls. Yep. And at first, they think it's kind of funny. They kind of laugh at at the calls. They call the guy the moaner. The moaner. That yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and Margot Kidder's character is kind of the... The, the take charge member of the group and you know she's the one that really starts cussing him out and then that's when he starts getting really threatening yeah. directly um but it's Much also more agitated as, and the, yeah it also works as a good like who done it kind of a thing too because there you know there's a bit of a murder mystery here as well yeah well and the fact that i think the it it operates in a little bit different way and i think the synopsis you read makes this sound a little bit more like the typical slasher movies we're used to like mm-hmm. we they, they grow into in the 1980s your your Friday the 13th and and it's kind of spin-offs especially being holiday related I, I think that's what it when initially I was talking about my expectations of this movie they were all set based on on that criteria you know your Friday the 13th and all of its kind of holiday imitators that followed and this movie's not a whole lot like those except Mm -mm. in the very very basic like there is you know a group of girls in a house being stalked by a killer so yeah okay we have the the basic premise but i think the similarities kind of end there this is actually a pretty well-conceived thriller it does have a nice little murder mystery thing going on it's also got real characters that they take time developing which is interesting um which is different than you know where we end up in the 1980s which pretty much we just kind of a cast of characters just to like get knocked off one by one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You can yeah, see it's... how this got distilled into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly those elements here. Like it's, it's, it's there, but I feel like it, it's handled very well. I always found it interesting also about this movie that uh, Bob Clark 
would go on uh, a few years later to direct probably his other Christmas film in his filmography, which is the famous um, Christmas movie that everybody seems to be familiar with, A Christmas Story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in his filmography, these are the two. You have Black Christmas and Christmas Story, which obviously is the more famous of the two. And but... Porky's in the middle. <laughs> yes, of course, Porky's in between. <laughs> All three of the Porky's movies, yeah, I think he did. but I believe so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I yeah, I can see how this gets distilled down into your run-of-the-mill slashers uh that we we grew accustomed to throughout the 80s and even the early 90s um but i can also see how halloween borrowed from this but then kind of did their own thing but it's funny Mm -hmm. how generic slashers always kind of came back to this formula but without the without the character development and halloween gave the power to or like kind of the the terror of that movie to to the shape of the character the, the character they called the shape michael myers in in the movie um it was a presence you know like the, a very kind of terrifying cold you know uh, inhuman presence it was a monster really and mm-hmm. um this movie doesn't really have a character like that even the even the killer the the quote-unquote slasher in this is, is somebody who's obviously very disturbed from the get-go you you understand yeah. that about them and they're not you know this this imposing kind of monstrous force i'm not saying that that we necessarily have a whole lot of sympathy for them either but um it's it's just a different type of you know, it's a psychotic you know <laughs> versus um yeah you know, a monster because very much the, the, the Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, as we go on and on, they're very much the, the monsters, the new monsters of that era. And I don't think this movie necessarily has a monster in it. It's a little more human, um, in the way it deals with. This actually reminded me a bit of, um, even, even though it's got some laughably bad scenes, this reminded me a bit of prom night. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it, it, I think just in being an early slasher that was clearly inspirational to maybe works that were done better later. But this <laughs> is really quite good, while well, Prom Night has, which we reviewed very early on in yeah. the podcast history. Um, you know, the soundtrack alone brings it down numerous grades. Um, <laughs> but But this is pretty good. This has a pacing to it that it 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 works really well because these other stories that are happening here within the narrative of you know like the the interrelational uh type of things we're seeing between uh one of the, the sorority sisters jess and her boyfriend peter you know we're seeing that happen it kind of gets you to forget for a minute about the whole creepy guy on the phone thing mm. um and and murderer so it it, it's paced really well with real say real stories and then there's this kind of book ending murder mystery going on yeah i mean because you you have real people that kind of have their real problems going on like you said jess and her boyfriend peter um are kind of having a falling out peter's having a hard time with his his career he did um he's a music student and yeah. kind of and um grad level music student and kind of totally botches his uh 
recital or whatever. Uh, Jess is pregnant and wants to have an abortion, which, by the way, 1974, having this discussion, like, in, yeah. in a movie, um, he's very much against the idea and wants to, you know, have the baby and gets very, <laughs> you know, yeah. toxic about it. And they have kind of a falling out. And it's, it's, that is a, you know, played as a backdrop. Uh, Mario Ketter's character, obviously, had, it's a little off the rails, has a, yeah. potentially, you know, the the starting of substance abuse problems, very obviously. Um, a little autobiographical, maybe, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the drinking to... in this is kind of a gag throughout the entire thing. Uh, one thing, it, it this it does have some, some funny it, parts in it. Yeah, and actually that was one of the things that Bob mm-hmm. Clark had, uh, I don't remember, he rewrote parts of the script, but from the initial script, uh, he thought it was a little too dark and depressing, so they did intentionally write in some humor. And then he, he had a very strong conviction that the college kids not be like, you know, 1950s beach blanket bingo, you know, bimbos in this movie, that they'd be real people Yeah, that, you know, that reflected what he thought actual college students were like, you know, not... So and I, I think that both of those things benefit this movie a whole lot. Like the the kid the the girl's relationship with their um, I don't know like sorority mother or whatever their their guard not guardian but the the Mrs. Mack who lives in the house who's like yep. their overseer yeah yeah and, she's the the and, house mom yeah house mom that's a good word yep um she that she's basically there for um you know. Com- like the comic moments of the yeah she's a humorous oh, character yeah she's stashing thing, bottles so. of booze all around the house <laughs> pulling out the toilet tank yeah it was it was pretty cute and, like and even after you know, even after some of the, the like scarier stuff has started to happen um we we already know you know after the really cool like pov um camera work we already know that this whoever this creep is is act it's living inside of the house we we the audience know which is different from a lot of slasher movies as well. We know more than the characters do. We know that he's living in the attic, that he's inside the house already. Um, the the whole moment at the end, like, you know, you're, you're typical from the urban legend, like, he's calling from inside the house. Is it really a surprise to us, even though I still think it's an effective moment? Yeah. Um, but they even still play some of the humor because uh, Mrs. Max... Um, just very brief relationship with Mr. Harrison, who is one of the girls, the first girl that disappears, her father comes looking for her because she doesn't come home for Christmas or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, isn't on the bus she's supposed to be on. And they're, they're back and forth between, between the two of them is, is pretty humorous. Um, yeah. So there's, there's all kinds of just little things that I think make this a little more than just a stock and slash movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I think um the the individual kind of cross-sectional stories that are going on are are good enough that they actually hold your interest. Uh it gets a little soap opery but not too bad. Yeah. Um but it's enough to 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 keep you going. What did you think of I wanted to go through some of the the performances uh of some of the cast. Um, I mean, Margot Kidder, I think one of the first things we ever recorded for this podcast, I did a, a little in memoriam of Margot Kidder because she had just passed away around the time that we, we started mm-hmm. this a few years ago. And I yeah. mentioned on there that I think, you know, I believe I mentioned on there that, she, you know, she started Black Christmas, a film I hadn't seen. But uh, what did you think of her, her 
performance in this as compared to other things that you've seen her in later on. I I think she's great in this. I mean, I and I don't mean to like pick on her that it's, you know, oh, you know, her playing a drunk cuz mm-hmm. she did, you know, have some substance abuse problems in her life. Um but I think she's really good at what she does here. Um, she's probably the the actress that really stands out. Olivia Hussey is technically the lead yeah. um, as Jess in this, but um, I think the supporting cast is all very good. So not the Olivia Hussey's not bad in this movie, but I think Mario Kidder's the one that shines because mm-hmm. she's uh, she does play the character very convincingly. Whether or not that's because of her familiarity with the territory or not, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I mean, she's kind of a She's a bit of a tough, tough girl. She's kind of a, a de facto. She's kind of nominated herself the voice, especially against these yeah. calls that they're. You mentioned that um, kind of the the leader of the group, but at the same time, she's also the one that's kind of the most out of control, um, because mm-hmm. of her drinking and because of her temper and because of she's you know she's got some some different issues. But yeah, she's she's great in this movie. Um, I kind of. I kind of like envision in a different movie where she actually ends up being the, you know, final girl versus Olivia Hussey in, in this one. Right. But, right. Um, and doesn't end up, you know. Well, let's talk a little bit about Olivia Hussey in here because, you know, she went on to, to do quite a lot of other things as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, most notably the, uh, the 68 Romeo and Juliet film. Um, yeah, and and which for her was, to be prior to the, yeah yeah uh, yeah went on to yeah did this first or did that first, um, but what do you think mm. of has how do you think she she is in this as as a final girl? Um, I think it's a concept. It's calling it final girl is is a concept that's you know not developed or under not a thing at all at the point when this movie's made, and I'm yeah. not sure if they're. You know how they're thinking about that, but they definitely have set it up the way that it's going to be set up in many films to follow, Halloween and, and beyond, um, where you know the the, the characters are, are kind of knocked off one by one, and finally you get the situation where it's Jess and and this madman in the in the house, mm-hmm. you know, kind of facing off against one another. Um, I don't know. I, I think she's I think she's fine. I have to, I, I don't think she, I don't think she necessarily is phoning in this performance or anything. I think she does. She's does a lot of stuff that's that's perfectly yeah. uh, good in this film. Um, I, I guess I guess my only thing is that I feel like um, Mario Kidder kind of shines above her, but it's not that Olivia Hussey's bad in this at all. I think she's. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the fact that she's a um, kind of well-realized character. I really like the fact that she doesn't take shit from Peter the way that she, you know, um, yeah, the, the group of girls in this sorority, it, I find to be, especially for a movie made, you know, by men in the film industry in 1974 to be very well realized. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like they're somewhat believable, even in, you know, 2023, as we're talking about it right now, I feel like these are believable characters, like people you yeah. knew or could, you know, could run into, um, even today. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't have pushover <laughs> sorority girls that are kind of the, you know, from the Revenge of the Nerds films of the 80s or whatever. They're just kind of buffet table first, you know, fraternity antics or whatever and yeah um, no it's much more believable um yeah, yeah I, f- I feel like the way that they captured a sorority in this you know for the 19 1974 um is more realistic 
to what you'd see in a fraternity or a sorority or you know any of these kind of of social organizations uh, on on a college campus. It, it's mo it's more realistic rather than what we saw. It's just weird because th this one did it right the first time. So many movies tried to copy it and did it wrong. Um, yeah, and yeah. later, and like well, said, and they, they became interested in, in different aspects of it, and I think they became interested in. Uh, it's immediate followers my bloody valentine halloween um reverse those i think but um some of the early slashers prior to friday the 13th i think things really change flavor after friday the 13th yeah um and i think audiences they're reading you know they're reading that audiences are more interested in you know the violence the sex and and they really lean into those things mm -hmm. so it, it's a very very you know throughout the 80s this is a very very popular uh s style of movie and they just don't they just don't have the precedent for that like that, that that's yeah. not in you know B bob clark and a roy a roy smith is that a a, a roy moore is the writer mm -hmm. um you know they they have no no context or, or foresight or want to do any of those things they're trying to tell a totally different you know trying to tell a story here rather than you know put butts in seats with um what's the what's the ryan phrase boobs and butts and blood and guts or something boobs, and, blo yeah. so boobs like, and butts and blood <laughs> and guts yeah because yeah that, that's totally what the 1980s what this eventually becomes or the genre eventually becomes yeah. and this actually still has some edge to it yeah. So like, you know, where it's not focusing what? on those other things. I do still have a question though about not only this but the inspiration from this and this really con you know kind of jettisoned the uh, not jettisoned but like, you know launched up the the concept of it but the idea of like the call is coming from inside the house. Mhm. Mm I'm sure that can work, but how does that work? I think that's an old-fashioned phone thing with having okay. different lines and yeah. like yeah, like party so lines. Used to be able okay. to like have yeah, have multiple lines or um, I think way back like any time you picked up, uh, yeah, like party lines. Like you would you would be yeah. sharing the line with multiple. Um, but yeah, I think in this case, like especially in a sorority house, the way phone service worked would be like each of these girls probably had their own phone line so they could make calls home or whatever. Got or maybe yeah. there were multiple lines in the house kind of thing. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I don't know how I, I don't know how the urban legend started with the whole like babysitter call inside the house thing, but it obviously was a big deal because this was not the only movie made around this time. Um I think when a stranger calls, I don't remember what year that is. I think that follows this, but it's not I, th I still think when a stranger calls is older than Halloween is. So, mm -hmm. um, I was gonna look that up real quick. Of course, they give you up oh, when a stranger calls is seventy nine, but it, it. I think that has a similar. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but a similar twist kind of call inside the house thing as well. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I, I think it's just old fashioned phone thing. I mean, now obviously yeah, anyone could yeah, call from inside yeah. the house. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. How would that happen today? It's like we we <laughs> we've pinged their phone, we've pinged the GPS, and they're <laughs> they're, right. they're in the house. So they're they're in the basement. They're fifty feet below you, <laughs> <laughs> to the north, about twenty steps. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter. It's just yeah. Peter. Um. But no, actually, this kind of does end ambiguous, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it really is cool because get... it doesn't really doesn't really explain like um I don't know if we we want to know if we want to call the character the 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 killer in here I guess is Billy, right? Is the the name that we end up knowing him by whether Billy, that's his actual yeah. name or not, we're not sure. Um but yeah, we we don't ever really find out what Billy's all about, what which is kind of the creepy thing about it. I think that and I think uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's script for Halloween plays on that as well. Like you don't you, there's a lot of mystery about like motive or like that's mm-hmm. just not a thing. You don't really um and yeah, and this you, you get a lot of I think the calls that he makes and the vo- the different voices and some of the the depictions of things that he's acting on in the phone calls give you some hints of like kind of what you know what what has caused some of the the psychosis or whatever you know um he he's acting out things you know un, unpleasant domestic situations you know a child abuse um etc um spousal and child abuse i think on and, yeah um so it kind of gives you some, some hints that, that this is a person who's been damaged by their past or, you know, their upbringing. But, yeah, it doesn't end up... It doesn't do much more than that. It doesn't give you a whole, like, spelled out, like, oh, this is the person that did this and this is why they kind of end up <laughs> disappearing. <laughs> I think the last part of the, the, the movie, you know, the last shots of the movie, and hopefully no one's getting spoilers here, but it insinuates he's still kind of hanging out inside of this house at the, at the yeah, end of it. So, yeah, they never, so. you never really get a, you know, a true answer to it, which which is, is kind of a, I don't know, I found it to be a clever way of, of handling a murder mystery along with horror because one of the things at the end of a mystery is you know what happened right there's always the big reveal and Mm -hmm. then okay well now that's over we we caught the bad guy and in this case it's no you didn't and you know we 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 went through all the the fun steps of the murder mystery but at the end you still don't know he's still out there and so it definitely adds like a, a, a cringe kind of a creep feel to it um, mm-hmm. It's effective. 1974 to 2023, it's still effective. Well, technically, yeah. I watched this and, last year, but yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think another interesting part of this, and you keep, we kept, keep mentioning the murder mystery aspect, mm-hmm. is is the the police investigation. And also yeah. just another thing that is, it, and Bob Clark went on record years ago, and he probably should have just taken credit for it, but I, I guess credit to him that he didn't. Uh, so they had no no political agenda with this whatsoever because it's been it's been named by multiple lists to be one of the uh, most feminist horror films ever ever made. Um, not only it's 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 very solid stan- pro choice stance that it makes in 1974, uh, also because it has well realized female characters and um, that it also addresses uh, sexism in many different forms throughout throughout the movie. And one of them I think is definitely the way that the police react to the the initially react to to the sorority uh mm-hmm. girls making complaints about the calls they're kind of yeah like, and just um oh, it's just some guys and, bo- and, messing with you yeah yeah and by the time lieutenant fuller played by john saxon gets involved then you get a real you know investigation going on but 
I actually have in my notes yeah, for so. this movie, John Saxon, the perpetual horror film cop. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like outside of Enter the Dragon, I think every th- other thing I've seen John Saxon and he's playing a cop of some of some sort. But yeah, yeah. mostly in horror movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's he shows up and he's good. He does does his thing and it's he's he's good at it. Like I feel like he's good in this movie. There's there's some humor moments there too in in the police station between him and the some of his <laughs> picking on the the guy that's originally a dick to the girls gets picked on by the other cops a little bit later in the film and that's that's funny. I like that he gets kind of his comeuppance in that in that regard. <laughs> but, I I um, like to think that because of of yeah. John Saxon and this and actually have jotted this kind of idea down. John Saxon in this movie and John Saxon in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and also Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And if you could take those three movies and edit the shit out of them into one film that focuses on John Saxon, <laughs> that could Tells be story. really, really good. You know, and it could, yeah. I think it could be done because you'd obviously chronologically end with Nightmare 3 where he's like the drunk in the bar. Because you would have yeah. to be, you fit up with Dream Demons and whatever the hell is going on in, in black christmas but uh yeah so i think there there's a possibility there for for a uh, re-edit spin-off film yeah i think that could work yeah the so. uh so you don't want you don't want to put the pieces of enter the dragon in there too that'd really make it interesting so oh shit that'd be awesome <laughs> so like a pre-training yeah, like build up and or maybe that's down. just a total this character. This old drunk it's cops. all there. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just this old drunk cop's fantasy. Like, no. <laughs> or no, it's show him like as he's becoming a cop, he's like going through all this awesome like ninja training and in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, but then he deals with this other shit, and it's like I don't care how good I am at karate, I can't deal with this. And so ends in the bar in Nightmare Three. You know, he's, he's digging yeah. up Freddy Krueger's bones and shit. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. But <laughs> but he's good in this, you know, on its own. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, um... I... I was trying to think of what else I have in my notes on this one, too. Um, I... I really feel like this movie's got a lot of things. The reason, that, you know, being, like, the one of the main like proto slasher movies I, I feel like there's a mario bava movie it's like usually black christmas and like whatever that i can't think of the name of it but the mario bava film that um those are the two that always get the credit of being like the first you know slasher movie mm-hmm. or whatever and you could, of course could go back to the 60s and in, in italy the giallo films for years had some elements of of slasher movies like it back into the 60s and, and such as well um but i really feel like this one has a bunch of the iconic things that you will and and we've we've kind of picked out a few of those as well um the but iconic to exclusively to this movie i think the uh baghead kill um where the first girl that dies he he suffocates in a bag and keeps her with him in like the attic for most of the movie and it's a um a fixture that they keep coming back to um like like camera wise like there's shots of, of this corpse just kind of sitting in front of the window uh throughout the movie yeah and, um so that that's a piece of it it's it's of course on the poster i know we don't use the video but i have it on the thing behind me but um and so do you and uh yeah 
but yeah, so that's like an iconic image I think that comes from this movie. Um, the yeah, I don't know. I guess that's what I was going for is things things that were exclusively from this movie and not just like general slasher things. Um, uh, the character of Billy as the the killer um, in this movie is very interesting because he is absolutely unhinged i think compared to like pretty much anything else that i'm familiar with and anything you might call a slasher movie um yeah i mean michael myers doesn't talk jason Voorhees doesn't talk freddy Krueger cracks jokes and puns but he's very like i would want to say he's not crazy but like he doesn't have that like he's definitely there in the situation like he has an understanding of he's a little bit more of like i don't know if we're gonna like as the kids say today you know ship these horror franchise characters no it's not shipping it's um <laughs> more like <laughs> if you're like to, to to describe them in other terms freddy krueger is like a, a, a clown you know yeah he's, he's he's it's a lot of gags and stuff um this is harassment and obscenity with an intention to disturb and then but, followed up by murder. It's pretty creepy. The yeah, stuff there's he's also saying is pretty disturbing. There's also a strong distinct um other side of it where he's literally there's a cry for help yeah. part of it too like um the one of the original names of the script like we said yeah. it, it, yeah. it uh went through many is called stop me and that's because at, at many times billy will break mm-hmm. from his acting out doing all the different voices and and literally plead for help like you know stop me from doing this um yeah i'm gonna do it again and so there, there there's a very i guess it's just a little more i don't want to say realistic because it's obviously played up but it, it's got a little it's complex. got a little more basic yeah a little more complex again yeah i don't think we're we're not trying to make this character into a monster. It's 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 a little more of a realistic murder mystery type situation. Yeah, but, yeah. It, um, it, there is the phone calls are hard to listen to. Those scenes where he's on the phone, they're uncomfortable. He's making uh-huh. pig noises and squealing noises and all these different things, and then he's just going off on weird tangents. I mean, it's truly creepy to listen to the the phone calls in this it's really uncomfortable there's a lot of stuff in this that's creepy but yeah the phone calls and the way that yeah uh it's 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 very uncomfortable um just the him kind of like living him being in the house and you being aware of it and the other characters not being aware of it is an interesting way to build suspense and i think it's done really effectively in a lot of places here um I don't know. Just it's a interesting, well-paced, well-put-together horror film with interesting, like good characters, and I don't know. I think I'm starting to review it on uh, prematurely. Yeah. Here, well, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not. Or maybe a lot not. To, maybe it's there, time. There, so. I mean, it is because there's not really a lot of special effects or anything. It's 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 there's there's nothing like that to really comment on that I can think of. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's no, more of a it's a good thriller. I think it's not even gory, really. It's it's a it's nope. actually more not of a really. thriller than a horror. I guess I don't know. This could get into where we, what do you, where do you draw the line? 
Um, right. You know, today, if when these movies are remade, movies like this, I haven't seen the remakes, but when movies like this are remade today, they really up the blood and guts, so it becomes horror. But really, the, I don't know, I would put this more as a, a true like a psychological thriller. This has yeah. more in common with themes of, like, Silence of the Lambs than Halloween. In some, well, yeah, because even Halloween's got some gore to it, so. Yeah, and a it, little bit. I feel like this, a movie made in 1974 that kind of kicked off, you know, it was one of, one of the pieces that kind of kicked off the entire genre of 80s horror. Um, this feels more like a modern horror film to me than most mm -hmm. of the 80s films do. I can like, see that. I don't know what, what it is about it. Maybe, I mean, the fact that it's not, it doesn't seem to, like, pander to its audience. It doesn't talk down to its audience because there is certainly the a vein of the 80s slasher movies that are a bit preachy as well like they have that little bit of yeah. like weird kind of christian overtones of you know you, you drink and you have premarital sex and you're gonna you're gonna be murdered by the whatever um yeah but it doesn't do either of those things it doesn't really pander doesn't really talk down to any it's just i don't know it, it feels like this is a movie that could still be made to i mean at, maybe that's why it's been remade multiple times already because it is something that is kind of timeless in, in a way but yeah there's something it's kind also of special it's about also it. scary funny and like yeah it's yeah well let's just jump into it what do you think for a, yeah. a grade <laughs> and a final thought on uh on black christmas I, I think i've kind of given my review five times already but yeah I, I think it's this is essential watching if you're into horror movies and especially if you're into uh, slasher films because it's just you know this is the DNA this is where it starts to get <laughs> yeah um, you know starts to turn into what we would eventually know as the 80s slasher movies but um, it's just a it's just a good all-around movie I would almost recommend this one I'm gonna go with almost because I do know some people that probably wouldn't be into it but I would almost recommend this to, even to people that aren't like big horror buffs like, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good enough movie if you're just looking for, like, a, a thriller. It's not necessarily a good Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie because it is set around Christmas. It's it's certainly not going to fill your, you know, soul with joy or anything. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a great film. It's, it's scary. It's funny. It's, I don't know, kind of hits all the bases. It's got good characters, good writing. It's well-paced. It never seems to waste time. Um it's well yeah good performances um overall for for a movie that was made on you know not a whole lot of money um for, uh, in canada years ago by mm -hmm. you know low budget filmmakers it's it's i don't know it's a classic and uh i pretty much especially if we're going to talk about we're going to put it into that unique niche of christmas horror movies this is another one this is definitely worth the hype and i say yeah if you're looking for a christmas horror movie this has got to be one that you check out at some point it's kind of essential so yeah i'm gonna go with i'm giving this one an a i think it's mm -hmm. an it's an a movie um i feel like it's you know there are a lot of horror films especially throughout the 80s uh 70s and 80s that get called influential and this this one does not come up enough for as influential as i feel like it was to the genre i i would agree with a lot of that um yeah you wouldn't have a halloween you you know you wouldn't have prom night and stuff without this this kind of sets the stage for that um 
And I, I, I know what you mean by not recommending it to everybody because it's of its themes. Um, some people aren't going to like it, but it, I think it gets more of credit as a horror film than a thriller. And there's people that will, I don't like horror, but I like thriller. Well, this is that one that kind of straddles the two. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it's not overly, it's not overly gory. It's just it's disturbing, but not in a way that will gross you out kind of a thing. Um, yeah. But it, it works really well kind of in, in the, the spectrum of from murder mystery to horror with thriller in between. Uh, <laughs> performances, yeah, like you said, they're, they're really quite good. The script is pretty tight, and I think a big part of that is, is focusing on real characters um, and not the stereotypes that that come just a simple decade later um mm -hmm. but yeah the story itself is is creepy the phone calls will give you chills uh so yeah i'm gonna go with an a on this one as well so uh so that is our our discussion and reviews on the 1974 version of black christmas now i haven't seen the remakes you said you hadn't either no i haven't seen either of them. I, I think i think my wife saw the earlier one but the two th so, I think it was nah. 2009 and, two th and then 18, maybe? 18 like it was... or 19, yeah, not that long yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said before, there's a reason these keep getting made. Uh, mm. So we would love to know what any of our listeners, though, think of Black Christmas or any of the remakes. Uh, feel free to reach out with any of your thoughts on any of these films and please feel free to send any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod and Facebook and Instagram on the main Video Junkyard Podcast pages. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And if you like what you hear, we'd appreciate you stopping by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Got any money? Uh, for a small donation that helps us keep this show going. Uh, you will get uh, exclusive content and the ability to vote on show, uh, movies that we'll review on the show. So, uh, of course, we would like to thank our Patreon family, Scott Stewart and Tony Rodriguez. Thank you for helping us out, and um, hopefully you're hearing enough of your picks to make it worth your <laughs> donation every month. But if not, let us know, and we'll get some more on there. Uh, always uh, looking for more audience picks, especially as we go into 2023. We're going to start doing... Um, we're going to try to get at least one audience pick on every month. So if you are listening yeah. and you have a favorite forgotten film that you'd like to hear on the Video Junkyard podcast, or maybe just a favorite film in general that you <laughs> want to hear us talk about, um, or, you know, even torture us. People have done that before. Yeah. Send us anything. So. What's, what's something you watched too much as a kid that you haven't thought about in like the last 10 years? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so send them in. We're looking for... Uh, a lot of audience picks this year, so we're going to try to get one on every month. Coming up on the show, we're going to look at the uh, Nicolas Cage film, Lord of War. We're going to look at uh, Flight of the Navigator, and um, sometime in the uh, near future, Romancing the Stone as well. So um, we're, we're just getting things on the calendar filled out. We're a little behind this year, so if I feel if I sound a little uncertain, it's because I'm not sure what order that's all coming to you in, especially since we had three things on the schedule that uh, dropped off of streaming and we weren't able to get to you in the past few weeks. So, um, yeah. Well, but yes, Lord of War, next time. <laughs> yeah. So we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. <laughs> if you've enjoyed it, please feel free to share it around. In fact, we'd really appreciate it if you did. 
And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Miracle Branson. Have, have a good a evening. Good night. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram, as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>